Here we go, another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. Happy Saturday morning to everybody. I'm Steve Cashel, Chicago Bulls radio host. So happy to be joined once again this week by Dr. Charles Bush-Joseph. Dr. Chuck is a sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon with Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, former head team physician for the Chicago White Sox, 14 years as their head team physician, still works the White Sox and also the Chicago Bulls, along with the fine doctors at Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, subbing this week once again for Dr. Brian Cole. Our website is sportsmedicineweekly.com. Dr. Chuck, thanks for joining us again this week. Uh, How's everything? Thanks for the opportunity. I love being here. I'm a longtime listener and uh, always enjoy my opportunity to be a host with him. I appreciate it. You know, I mentioned 14 years with the Chicago White Sox. You were there for the World Series year. Last week, you told us a great story about Paul Konerko and how uh, you had to stretch him out before every game and uh, the least limber guy. I feel like that myself half the time I get out of bed. That was a great story. Uh, Your favorite memories of uh, White Sox and and Bulls throughout the years of all the years that you've been working with these guys, uh, what what stands out with you? You know, obviously... I think like a lot of players, uh, the pleasure that maybe the Dr. Cole and I have of spending long time with professional athletes, what they find and what I find is that the relationships in the locker room was almost more important than sometimes the games and certainly the ones and losses. You know, I, I would say the memories I t- I'll take to my grave is my relationship with Jim Tomey. Jim Tomey. I think the public perception is that he's a great guy. I would tell you that it's false. He's the greatest guy. <laughs> you know, says, he's yeah. the nicest guy in the world. And, uh, he, he treated everybody around him with the same level of respect, whether you were a secretary with the organization or a ticket taker or you were Jerry Reinsdorf. He treated everybody and continues to do so with respect. Now, one thing that Jim did have a tendency to, he liked to swing the bat. And he likes to take too many swings. And, and like a, a big, well-muscled guy like Jim, he occasionally swang himself into a tizzy. And so probably every six months or so, Jim would, after 300 swings in the cage, would get his back locked up and would walk into the training room. And me and Herm Snyder would look at him, and he'd be crooked. He would have almost a 20-degree tilt between his shoulders and his hip. Really? And so we would have to shut him down for a while, and you know he would get aggressive spine treatment. We'd put him on steroids and lots of rehab and massage and modalities. And we actually had to put him on a swing count. You know, you hear about our, our pitch counts. Our, now you got swing we had counts. pitch counts and we had minutes counts for the Bulls. We had to keep Jim on a swing count and we had to keep him under 200 swings because he was such a scientific hitter and he was so detailed in his preparation. He would just spend hours in the cage. And, uh, you know, we finally got him slowed down a little bit later in his career. These back episodes became less and less frequent. Uh, but certainly uh, my, one of my memories that I'll take ever is Jim walking into the training room almost like a puzzle, something looking like a cartoon character with his shoulders way offset from his spine. So we, we love Jim for that one. Well, let me clarify something. You mentioned steroids. People get freaked out when they hear the word steroids. You said we had to put, you know, give Jim a couple of steroids. What does that mean? You know, I, would, I, I apologize for that, and I certainly don't want to get our listeners upset. You know, there's two types of steroids. Uh, catabolic steroids, which we normally use for patients who have back injuries or bad allergies or nerve injuries, we use very commonly. Anabolic steroids, which is read in the newspaper and all the steroid uh, in the, the hearings with Major League Baseball, totally different type of steroids. So, no, we're not allowed. We don't prescribe anabolic steroids. We don't use them. Obviously. Uh, Obviously. Uh, the catabolic steroids like prednisone and medrol and medrol dose packs, 
we do have to use them. We use them on our regular patients, our recreational, our, our occupational injuries, and we use them on our professional athletes. They're very safe when used properly. So wow. I, I would want to reassure our patients they have good value. And, yeah, if you have severe back spasm or you're having a severe aller- allergic reaction, that's one of the first things that many of your physicians will prescribe you for. Were you there with the uh, A.J. Brzezinski, Michael Barrett, Cubs, White Sox fight? I, I was. Battles and, of uh, two catchers? That was the two catchers, and, uh, you know, A.J. is another one. You know, A.J., uh, you know, for all the scrapes that he found himself in, really was only on the DL once in during his right? entire uh, White Sox career, and uh, even after the fight. And, and I can't tell you how many collisions he endured at home plate. Uh, no, A.J. was a tough guy, and uh, uh, he, he was a little bit maybe a Dennis Rodman or Bill Lambeer. Uh, you know, you, you love him on your team. You hate him when he's the opposition. Smart man, very intelligent, played to the weakness of the opponent, took every advantage possible. You know, he didn't have the greatest physical talents of what you say, a a Pudge Rodriguez or or Johnny Bench or Carlton Fisk, but he made use of every single tool. And that's why I tell you, for all of us, uh, you know, all recreational weekend warriors, there's people that have talent. A lot of people have talent. Then there's people who have heart. A lot of people have heart, but people have heart, talent, and a head for the game. Those are the ones that get to the highest level. And that's where you find... A.J. Przinsky, Jim Tomey, Paul Konerko, Mark Burley. Mark Burley couldn't break a plane a glass sometimes, but could still get patients, get players out. You know, when you, you see our, you know, the most recent World Series where guys are throwing 92 to 101, Joe Kelly from the, from the Red Sox, he was averaging 99. Mark Burley, late in the season, he was hitting 83, 84 on his fastball. But he was such a wily pitcher. He had such experience, knew how to manage the player, the weaknesses of the batter, that he can get players out that, that with velocities that we would look at today and we would just laugh at. How could he be a pitcher? But Mark Burley was one of the best pitchers in White Sox history and led us to a World Series. Kind of like Greg Maddox, right? Never had the great speed, but he knew how to pitch. It's the science of pitching as opposed to the art or as opposed to the physicality of throwing. Most throwers come up as throwers and the ones who have that, that Greg Maddox career, that John Smoltz career, they suffer an injury or two. They come back and they become pitchers. Uh, and, that's, and the pitchers is how you get into that 10, 12, 14-year career where the throwers, the throwers may survive for a while. They may be effective. But as soon as they injure themselves, they lose a little velocity, uh, they're in trouble. And as we've talked about before, one out of three, one out of four major league pitchers is going to have Tommy John surgery. And so if that's you're going to pitch long enough, you're going to lose your arm. And so we worry now about our younger athletes throwing too much in their teen years, in their developmental years. They've got, we, we say that they almost got a pitch clock on their elbow. And it's when, how hard do you throw those pitches and when? The old theory, Steve, and you and I have had these conversations over the years, was that you know, if you let your youngster throwing curveballs at too young of an age, they're going to throw out their elbow. Well, our newer research is telling us that's not necessarily true. It's not so much the, the curveball or the slider. It's just the pure velocity and the amount. So it's the velocity and intensity of the pitching as opposed to a particular pitch. So, you know, I was on this show with you many years ago, and we said, yeah, have your kids throw fastballs and change-ups. We're now actually thinking a little bit more, you got to be careful how many fastballs they throw. And certainly we keep an eye on that in our high school and our collegiate pitchers. The state of Illinois has now passed – a bill that's going to, that's in, certainly in the regulation phase right now, that's going to hold some responsibility on coaches to how many pitches a high school pitcher can throw. 
Now, the high school coaches are squawking about that because they're saying, well, I, can, I have some control over how much they're throwing on the school team, but I have no control how much they're throwing in their club team or their showcase or their traveling team. So I, my message to parents is you have to think of your son's elbow and shoulder, just like you think of their knee, as assets to your child, and they have to be protected and nurtured. Again, you're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly here on Saturday morning. So thrilled to be with Dr. Charles Bush Joseph from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, a former head team physician with the Chicago White Sox. He's told us some stories about the White Sox, and he still is a White Sox team physician, also with the Chicago Bulls. So, all right, I've got one that hit home hits home for me. Okay, so I've got a a 14 year old and 11 year old. My 14 year old pitched a lot of innings last summer with his travel team. He hasn't pitched Doc since probably end of July, and he hasn't pitched since. All right, here we are in mid-November, and I'm wondering, you know, I'm saying, Corey, should we, I don't know. I, I, I want to get your advice right here. Hopefully it'll help some other parents listening as well. Do we want to start throwing? He plays hockey, so we don't have a lot of time to throw. We, we really don't want to go outdoors anymore. Um, is he okay not throwing at all till January, February, when they start ramping up the baseball workouts? Or should I have him throw it all now before uh, the first of the year. You know, Steve, I'm going to talk to our producer, Eli. I'm going to give you the gold star. You're a gold star parent. So the really the important thing is that your son gets an appropriate period of rest. And, and for us, that three-month time frame. If they get three months of rest, then it's safe for them to start to ramp it back up. And so, yeah, what we do with our professional athletes, Steve, yeah, they shut down, and, and unfortunately for the Sox, end of September, for the Cubs, the end of July, or I'm sorry, end of October. And then usually we're not letting them pick up a ball until late December, probably early January, okay. starting to throw. And then we like that six- to eight-week ramp-up period before their season so they've got adequate arm strength. So we actually say work backwards. When is your son going to try out for the high school team? Maybe it's mid-early February. Yeah. So probably about that six-week time frame before that. He should be starting a graduated throwing program, sure, short toss, low-intensity throw, and then gradually stretching out, long toss, then long toss on a line. And then even if he's a pitcher, we say then eventually flat ground pitching. So, you know, work backwards from when he's going to be have to be competitive as opposed to that time frame off. But in general, three months off is the rule. Uh, and we like that, you're getting a gold star. And final question on that. Uh, when he has a little bit of soreness, you expect that when he first starts throwing again? Yeah, ramp up pain in the muscle, very normal, very common. And we would differentiate post-throwing soreness from delivery pain. You know, if your son or, you know, your son or your daughter is having pain on the motion of throwing, they get to that load up position, their elbows up, their hands up back and high, and they're starting to come through and they're having pain on that acceleration phase. That's a problem. We put the brakes on. Yeah, I've had my bullpen. I've thrown 25, 30 pitches, played catch with dad and out in the backyard in the cold, and I'm a little stiff afterwards. That's not bad. I would expect that. Ice after a a workout like that or it's okay? Uh, We always say warm up. Stretch out, work out, ice down. Even so, yeah. So, right I, around the yard. you know, to use some of the Tiger Bomb or some of the rubs or Biofreeze before and after, I think that stuff's effective. Great stuff, Dr. Charles Bush Joseph. We're just getting started here. Great stuff from our uh, co-host today, subbing for Dr. Brian Cole. I'm Steve Cashel. When we come back, uh, more. Sports Medicine Weekly. Still to come on the show, our Ask the Doctor segment. Always a staple to show some great questions this week for Dr. Chuck. So stay with us at Sports Medicine Weekly, only on 670 The Score.